Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you, Lord. Open, if you would, to Matthew, the 24th chapter. So I begin by saying, what is going on in America today? What is behind the driving force of the um, animosity, the divisiveness, the cruelty, hatred, and the killings that we've been witnessing in the past few years? Well, there is a reason for it, but there's also a solution for it. And everybody say, thank you, Lord. We just celebrated uh, our Declaration of Independence, praise God. And for the, uh, most of the 240 years of our nation's history, at least up to the last 50 years or so, one of the things that made this nation the greatest and, and, and the envy of the world is that we were known as the United, not the divided, but the United States of America. Uh, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, and, and listen, it's impossible to have liberty without justice. I said it's impossible to have liberty without justice. And the preamble, the word preamble actually means introduction. In the preamble of our Constitution, it says, it says this in the second paragraph, we the people of the United States, not we the government. I said we the people, not we the government. We the people of the United States, in order to, watch this, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And if you'll read the Constitution, you read the Bill of Rights, you'll find out it's amazing how much biblical foundation has been interwoven within the Constitution itself. Because our forefathers knew that if there was not a respect for life, a love and respect for human life, and a, and, and a will to live our lives within the parameters of the laws that were established, that this nation would perish. They knew it. They understood that God ordained and raised up this nation, and without Him being in the center of our hearts as a nation, our nation would ultimately perish. The Constitution of the United States was formed by a diverse group of pilgrims who willed to provide for the people uh, a nation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And America made it 240th years or its anniversary only because of the citizens' uh, will and desire to honor and uphold what was written in the Constitution. If you agree with me, say amen. Now, in Matthew 12, it says this. Jesus tells us what would destroy a kingdom or a nation or a city or a family. Here's what he said in the NIV. He says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every nation, every family, every city, anything that becomes divided, the devil knows he's got, he's got the upper hand in that because that thing will be destroyed. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. The NLT says, uh, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Watch this. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Will fall apart. Why do we have so much violence among the America's youth today? Whether black, yellow, white, 
green, whatever color. Why is this going on? Because so many of our families have been divided and splintered and so many young men are being raised without fathers, being raised without divine guidance in their lives and so they just raise up to do what the human nature does without God and that is in desperation they begin to war. They begin to war. And these are the days we're living in. Once we are determined to exalt in our individual will above God's will, we will perish. Once we attempt to govern our individual lives outside the boundaries of the laws of this land, laws established to preserve our liberties, as a nation, we will self-destruct. Pastor Vicki was sharing with me. She said, uh, someone had recently said when God raised up America, he set the, the nation so strategically that it could never be, never be overcome from the outside, never be, Abraham Lincoln, never be conquered from the outside. It could only be conquered from within. And this is the days we're living in. We're living in days of anarchy, days where, I mean, it's from the White House to the schoolhouse to the church house. Rebellion has taken root. And if, if the church doesn't get rid of its own rebellion, what will happen to the world? Can I have an amen? If the people of this nation continue on this path of racism and divisiveness, we will not survive, and our grandchildren, our, I, I mean, our precious grandchildren, I love my kids, but our grandchildren will not, in, will not reap the blessings that God ordained for this nation if some of this stuff isn't brought to halt, and the only thing that's going to bring it to halt is prayer and God's divine intervention. There's a reason why, I mean, there really is. I mean, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the news, and of course, you don't have to understand the news. You have to understand it. They are going to inflame uh, animosity and hatred even more and more and more as they c continually repeat and repeat and pre the, repeat the things that are going on. And if, if, if the church, uh, that's why I believe Pastor Vicki, uh, on my heart, I know it was God, that she raised up this time of prayer, the, the beginning in January. They raise up this time of prayer because if the church prays, God will divinely intervene. Come on, everyone. He will divinely intervene so that justice is established in America. If a police officer kills a black person and, and murders her in cold blood, then they need to be, they need to be charged they, and, and the legal system has to take its course. Come on. Come on. But, but, but I say that vice versa. I mean, uh, I, want, I want the justice system to work. I'm not interested in seeing people get off for committing a crime. I'm not. I want, the, I, want, I want justice to prevail, not injustice. I said not injustice. Not injustice. Matthew 24, verse 1 through 3. We're going to read that, and then we'll continue for a moment. Matthew 24. Verse 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to, to show him the buildings of the temple. They were absolutely beautiful. And Jesus said unto them, see you not all these things? Don't you recognize the sign of the times? Don't you, you're not seeing what I see. Here's what he said. There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. I mean, I'm telling you right now, uh, when Jesus wept, when he came into Jerusalem before he died and he wept, he didn't weep because he was an over-emotional over man. 
He wept because he loved Israel, and he loved the land of Israel, and he loved the buildings of Israel. He wept because he knew, because of Israel's rebellion, that everything there in 70 years would be completely wiped and leveled, wiped out. I don't want America to be wiped out. I said, I don't want that. I, I don't want judgment upon America. I mean, I don't want to see us fall economically. I don't want to see that. I mean, that's really scary. I, I mean, in the sense of that happening to us. I want God in the center of America so that we can continue to be blessed and have an amen. I want righteousness to prevail. All right. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Lord, tell us when these things shall be. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now I'm going to read the New King James of verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one deceives, one translation says, misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, the anointed Messiah, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And it is. I mean, you, you can't yet, you cannot but sorrow for anyone who loses his life. And then many will be offended. By, oh, excuse me. Then, uh, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And, they will be, and, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And you have to understand, he's literally addressing Israel. Not, not us, but Israel at this point. Nonetheless, the signs... The signs of the end times will still be here. Because the last days actually started in the book of Acts. Can I have an amen to that? So I'm just saying this sign, these would be part of the signs prior to his coming. Then he says this. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because, watch this, and because lawlessness, there's the word, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will, uh, will grow cold. King James says, because iniquity will abound, the word iniquity means lawlessness, will abound, the, the love of many will wax cold. What does that mean? He's addressing the believers. He's saying even in, even in the church, those that had once loved and uh, had a, the passion of Christ, that love will grow cold. They'll, be, they'll grow cold to the things of God. Say, not me in Jesus' name. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Jesus said, and I've shared this before, but for some of you, you may not know this. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation. The word nation there is the, is the Greek word ethos, where we get the word ethnicity. So he was telling us that ethnicity will rise up against ethnicity. Isn't it interesting that the Muslim nation are cousins to the Jews and it's always been a war of ethnicity always been a war since the very beginning of time this has been going on it isn't just something of today it's been going on since the beginning of time Europe I mean it is I mean I'm telling you things are a mess in the Middle East all because of the hatred of one another cousins can't even get along brothers and sisters can't even get along Parent, uh, families can't get along Warfare. And boy, we better recognize where it's coming from. 
Amen. The word nation shall rise against nation or ethnicity will rise against ethnicity is what he said. One of the things that would be in the last days even though we know it's been going on for a long time. Amen. So this is what's plaguing America today. Not surprising, this is what fueled a war that just about destroyed America in its infancy. There is a war called the Civil War from 1861 to 1865. And that with ethnicity fighting against ethnicity. I think it's so awesome that there was a president by the name of Abraham Lincoln that really believed what was written in the Constitution which says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, no matter the color of their skin, are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and he was willing to go to war over it. And that war, that war cost our nation 620,000 American lives. 620,000. And don't you think for a moment that history doesn't repeat itself. Why? Because they refused to recognize the value of each and every human life. And they blamed someone else for where they were in their lives. Wouldn't accept responsibility to go to the Word of God and find out what the Bible says about them. Isn't it amazing in some of the third world countries? They literally, I mean, because we travel to third world countries, specifically the Philippines. I mean, where we have a church that we've been supporting. And it's amazing that they live almost, I mean, for the most part, they live in poverty. But they love God with all their hearts. So you actually can live without nothing and have God in the center of your life and keep him in the center of your life. Isn't that amazing? 620,000 Americans perished in the Civil War. Could have been avoided if we would have just valued human life. What set America above all the nations of the world was from its inception, our forefathers chose to accept the responsibility, listen, of self-governing. But it wasn't self-governing in the sense of I do my own thing. It was a self-governing under the, under the Constitution and the laws that were established. See, the reason that most of you don't go out and steal is because the conviction to do right has become stronger than the temptation to do wrong. Amen. That's why as pastors, we believe God for provision because robbing a bank just isn't really a good thing to do for a pastor. <laughs> we trust God that he's going to bless your life. He's going to provide for you. And then your conviction to bring your tithes to the storehouse will be deep-rooted on the inside of you because you want to love and honor God. Can I have an amen? Our forefathers understood that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness would not be possible without a unified respect and honor for the very laws that were established to protect and preserve these blessings. I thought this was good. A fear of God and retribution. A fear of God and retribution. See, that's been the problem today. People commit crimes. Now, we, now, now standing on the corner smoking your joint is just fine. Well, if anybody's ever been ever been stoned I'm not going to ask for a lift of hands <laughs> you understand that it literally brings you it's a depressant it's not a it's, it doesn't I mean it's not like speed it's a depressant oh man a far out man a, like a wow 
he gets, some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, it's a mess. It is not what God wants for our nation. He wants us to, to feed on the Most High. Come on, everyone. Amen. And get his guidance in our lives. So a fear of God and retribution is what empowered the citizens to love and value and respect human life and a will to live by the golden rule. The golden rule meaning Matthew 7, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a code of conduct based on what was morally right and good. And that's all become a blur. To no one's surprise, World War II was also a war of ethnicity. While Hitler was attempting to raise up a uh, perfect race of people called the Aryan race, at the same time, he was driven by Satan himself to destroy a human race called the Jews. Not only the Jews, but he destroyed 11 million people, uh, uh, 6 million Jews and 5 million others, including uh, gays and homosexuals or, you know, anybody who was messed up morally. Racism, listen, I say this carefully, but I want to say it. Racism has never been about color of skin. It's been about the condition of the heart. Because we have colored people in our church. I never think of you guys as something out of the ordinary, that you're different than me. Let's go ahead and cut, our, cut a little incision in our wrists and see what color blood that we each have. I don't care who you are, as long as you love God and you have, you have a responsibility for, for your family and you respect life and, uh, you know what I'm saying, you take responsibility for, for your life and for your family and you, you provide for them. That, that's, what, that's your duty. That's your duty, your God duty. doesn't matter who you are. After World War II, a reverential fear of God, a love and respect for human life, once again, was revived in America. We saw all the pain and all the death, all, death, all the suffering that took place because of war. We didn't want it anymore. And so, as a nation, our heart began to move back towards God, at least for a season. By the time we entered the 60s, we began to become proud, independent, self-ruling, self-righteous, and self-indulgent. In the beginning of the early 60s, now I'm sure it was before that, but racism again began to raise up its ugly head. Along with it, rebellion. The spirit of rebellion. I was part of it. A drug-infused culture was forming, which also ushered in a culture of whatever feels good, do it. As our soldiers were returning from Vietnam, a political war, driven war, which we, of course, we lost, these brave men and women were defamed, desecrated, and called murderers. At the same time, Vicki and I know this, warfare was a reality in the church, stopping them from being what God called them to be, a light of the world and salt of the earth. That's when our lack of respect for authority began to escalate, which is clearly evident from, it is, from the White House to the schoolhouse to the church house. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's horrific. We have to diffuse the hatred, not inflame the hatred. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 9 says, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Well, some people say, oh, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in the future generations, no one will remember what we're doing now. Isn't it amazing how that someone can go into, whether it what happened in Europe, whether it happened in California, whether it happened in Florida, 
a terrorist goes in and murders and kills people in about a month from now, America, people overall have forgotten about it. You, you tell me that there's not a problem spiritually with our nation. You tell me that, there's not a, that we have literally, uh, as a nation, become dull regarding the pain of others. It's, it's, it's crazy. Paul, at one point in the Scripture, said, Awake to righteousness and sin not. It's time for the church. I mean, if the world has, is going to have any hope at all, the church has to awaken. The church has to awaken and start praying and crying out to God. God, help us. Because it's coming into, it's seeping into the church. This whole condition is seeping into the church where, where this divisiveness is, is, is manifesting in our relationships. We've got to recognize what's going on. By the time we entered the 70s, the legalizing of abortion, which has produced over 60 million murders, 60 million murders of our babies. And we wonder why things are the way they are. We wonder why that's nothing. I thought it was interesting, Matt Damon, who is a great actor, but screwed up in his head, he just said this past week that every gun in America should be confiscated. Every gun in America should be confiscated. What a hypocrite. Every stinking movie he's done has guns in it, killing in it, fighting in it, pillaging in it. Every one of them. I love him. I love his acting. He's a phenomenal actor. But he is not a good American. So 60 million babies murdered, which truly is a fulfillment, again, of Matthew 7, which says the love of many have waxed cold. I'm telling you, man, how can you do that? How can we stand? Just a few months ago, they had video of doctors cutting babies' arms and legs apart that were still alive. Ah! My God, this is a Hitler-type event. And I mean, I don't know. I know one thing, we've got to pray. I tell you, if we don't get a God-man in the White House, America will perish in the next eight years. This thing is very serious. Prayer has to be the foundation, but I'm telling you right now, once Hitler began to run across Europe, the church, I'm sure, started to increase their prayer life, but it was a little too late. 1 John 3 says this, everyone who commits, practices sin, uh, this is such a powerful verse. Everyone who commits and practices sin is guilty of lawlessness. For that is what sin is. Lawlessness, the breaking and violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being unrestrained and unregulated by his commands and his will. You look at the word of God, you say, oh, forget, I don't care what the word of God says, we're going to do what we're going to do. Sin will always be rampant in the world, that's a given. But God knows that if his will is going to be enforced in any nation, then the, the church has to be willing to walk in the center of his will. Can I have an amen? We cannot allow sin to be rampant in the church. We have got to humble ourselves. And we've got to be crying out to God. And I mean that. You're going to get in. My wife is on me constantly, bless her heart, about this whole, the Fox News thing. Because all they do is regurgitate stuff constantly. It'll drive you nuts if you don't watch it. 
Because the only resolve to all we're facing is the divine intervention of the hand of God. It's the only thing. But I want that. If life is good, her and I may live another 15, 20 years. But our children and our grandchildren are going to be faced with some unbelievable suffering if we don't get God enthroned back upon this nation and leadership that have a reverential fear for him. 30 years ago, Vicki knows this, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, might have been even more, we knew and understood that if the Supreme Court ever becomes corrupt, we will be stripped of our liberties. But this is what we have because of the Supreme Court. And now we, we have at least, at least two to three that are going to be passing out one of these days and stepping out of that place. And if we don't have a president in office that's going to choose the right ones, my God, have mercy on our souls because it won't be good. We'll be zipped and silenced from any moral conviction or the word of God not be able to say anything. But Jesus loves you. And we are this close to that. Canada already has a law. They cannot say one word from the pulpit regarding homosexuality or lesbianism. And of course, I never say it to, to judge anybody. What I want to do, if you're a heathen and you want to live that way, you have that right. But if you're a Christian, then you have got to stop because I'm going to provide for you information from the Word of God, and then it's your choice whether you want to live it or not, because I can't, I'm not going to live it for you. Because every one of us are going to stand before God, and I've got enough baggage to stand before God. I'm not going to be thinking of Vicki or my kids. I'm going to be thinking of me going, oh, my God, have mercy on my soul. So can America be spared? Turn to Genesis 18. Is there some way we can preserve this nation from judgment, at least for a season? I mean, can we get in from intervention from above? And the good news, we can. And I'm going to read it to prove it to you from the scriptures in Genesis, the 18th chapter. Genesis 18. We're going we're gonna to close with a, a positive good news here. We don't want you to leave depressed. But you have to understand how serious the days we are living in. Very serious. Very serious. Anyone that comes, listen, every one of us in here this morning came with some kind of garbage in our lives that we haven't dealt with. Every one of us have, or if we, if we maybe we did dealt with it, but tomorrow we'll have to deal with something else. Tuesday we'll have to deal with something else. Wednesday we'll have to deal with, it's just part of life. So I'm not, I talk about people who are messed up. I want them to come in here, praise God, so God can touch their lives and transform their lives. Can I have an amen? This isn't the church of the perfect. If it is, I'm in the wrong church. I'm at note. <laughs> Some of you get that later. Genesis 18. Then the men arose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. God wants to bring everything from his word 
that he has spoken regarding your life as a believer. But he says, righteousness and justice is, is the key to it all. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. I think this is awesome. The message Bible says Abraham stood in God's path blocking his way. I think that's pretty cool. God went this way. Abraham went this way. God went this way. Anyway, he just kept blocking him because he had something to say. He had something to say. Sodom in the Hebrew means to burn, to be inflamed with sexual perversion. That's literally, that's, that's the reference. And the English word is sodomy. Gomorrah means a ruinous heap. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he'll reap. If he sows to his flesh, he will reap corruption. But if he sows to the Holy Spirit, he'll reap everlasting life. Uh, the latter is better. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Uh, would you also destroy the place and not spirit for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you. I love, oh, um, you talk about a strong believer. A courageous believer. Be it far from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I, I will spare all the place for their sakes. See, God knew there weren't 50 righteous. Then Abraham answered and said, Well, indeed, now I am but dust and ashes, ha have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all this city for the lack of five? So God said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there shall be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. I'm sure God's going, come on. I love, I love this man. This is called an intercessor. Someone standing in the gap for someone who, who don't deserve you know, who's so corrupt in the natural, they don't deserve the blessing of God. How many know people around you? You know they're corrupt and you think they don't, you know I mean? I mean, they're so corrupt in the natural, they don't deserve the blessings you have. But if you pray for them, God will be merciful to them. And so he said, um, I will do it. Uh, then he said, let the, not the Lord be angry. I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. He said, I will do it. If I find 30. And he said, well, indeed, now I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And God said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak but once more. Uh, and I'm sure God said, finally. <laughs> See, I, I, I just find a sense of humor in the Bible and a lot of things. Because God, if Abraham, Abraham stopped at 10 for one reason. Because he knew his family was there, and there had to be at least 10 righteous there. There just have to be. But listen, if Abraham, Abraham would have went to one, God would have said, I'll spare the cities for one. That's beautiful. And of course, so the Lord went on his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to this place. So I think what's so beautiful about this is the covenant exchange going on. This intercession going on in behalf of a 
of, a, of a, two cities that were so morally and sexually perverted and so dark and so wicked that God, God himself knew inside that there was no hope for these two cities and that if he allowed it to spread, it would spread through all of the nation of Israel. So he, he, uh, he brought judgment upon those cities. We know that. But I love the covenant exchange between God and man. See, you have that same covenant. So this righteous man, this God-fearing man, had a right to stand before God and, 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 and enter into a covenant of exchange. God, will you do this? And it goes from 50 all the way down to 10 because he believed that God would be merciful. And you know the story. He was. There's a beautiful story. If you read it in the book of Genesis there, 19th chapter, God sends these angels into Sodom and Gomorrah. They come into the house of Lot, and men tried to break into the house because they wanted to have sex with these angels. And the Bible says that the angels smote them, and they were all completely blind. You know, just, again, a, a, an example of their spiritual condition, completely corrupt and blind. But what's amazing is this. You know the story that the Bible says the angels led, the angels led them out. But the angels didn't lead them out. One translation says the angels pulled him out. Took him by the hand and pulled him out. And when they got to the end, they finally broke the parameter of the city limits. Abraham, you know, just kept heading the right direction. But we know the story. His wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. What is that? See, she looked back. Looking back simply uh, meant that that's where she wanted to be. She wanted to stay in that, that corrupt environment. And so she stayed. She turned, judgment came upon her. She turned her pillar of salt. And we know both, all this, both cities were completely leveled and wiped out. To this day, they have a hard time finding where they're at. So what is the answer? I'm giving it to you and we'll close. Second Chronicles 7.14, we quote it often. If my, this is the Amplified. If my people... How many here are God's people today? Raise your hand if you're one of God's people. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and should pray and should seek and crave and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people will pray. He said, if my people will pray, Call my name out, humble themselves, pray, seek, and crave for and require of necessity to my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I might hear from heaven and I might heal their land. No, he says, I will. God said, I will. I will change the situation around if you'll pray. Because with God, all things are possible. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.